Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second-guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. Plush Care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. plushcare.com slash weight loss. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hey there, it's Michelle Norris. I'm host of a podcast called Your Mama's Kitchen. When I travel, I'm usually looking for a way to find a taste of home when I'm not at home. And one of the things I love to do when I am at home is entertain. And Airbnb allows me to do that. When I was in California recently, I rented a house that had a great kitchen. And when we were sitting around the table, we're all thinking, we're in someone else's house. Someone could be in all of our homes as well. If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center podcast feed. I'm Ken Mapsack. And I'm Joseph Scrimshaw, and today we're going to be launching into a big conversation about Luke Skywalker. Is he the only hope, or are there uh, a lot of other Jedi running around, and how do we feel about that? Big stuff today, but we always want to remind you that the podcast is brought to you by Audible. Get a free audiobook download and a 30-day free trial at audibletrial.com slash 4 center. 
Over 180,000 titles to choose from for your iPhone, Android, Kindle, or MP3 player. And of course, a little bit later, we'll have our uh, Four Center Recommends, an audiobook we think you should try out on us. Joseph, we always like to do our life adventures up top here. A lot of adventures in the last couple of weeks, uh, yeah, last week, I should say, with uh, Star Wars Day being one of those that's understandable. We'd have a lot of Star Wars stuff going on. <laughs> absolutely, absolutely. Uh, yeah, we record on Monday. So uh, for Star Wars Day, let's see, we recorded multiple hours of podcasts and I watched two episodes of Clone Wars and I played Battlefront for three hours. <laughs> and I was still like, did I Star Wars enough? Did I? Did I? Uh, but but I did I did and it was great uh, and then later in the week uh, a very exciting Star Wars adventure uh, one of our our listeners a part of the Force Center and Star Wars uh, community first rate Nate very kindly sent us some action figures and you and I had a an exchange a uh, socially distancing masked up safe exchange of action figures and man uh, just I wanted to thank first rate Nate mm-hmm. and uh, just say this was a great Star Wars adventure. This amazing Clone Wars era Sidious action figure multiple times uh, since you dropped it off on Thursday, Ken. I've just been like, I need a pick me up. I'm going to go stare at Sidious for a while. <laughs> and it's done the trick. Uh, beautiful, beautiful. Yeah, first right, Nate. Thank you so much. Uh, yeah, look, we do have a, a like a P.O. box send stuff too. You can find it. Easiest way to find it is go to my website, website, KenNapsack.com. We need to update the Force Center website now that I'm thinking aloud on that. Uh, but we don't encourage that at all, man. Uh, take your hard-earned Republic credits on yourself. But first, right, Nate, you spoiled us with some great figures uh, that, we, that we talked about on, on, on the rank. And it was a joy to deliver it to you, Joseph, uh, <laughs> because I can't only imagine what you saw. You saw this 2002 beat-up Ford Mustang, my, my new car following my car accident, the top-down. <laughs> I had some 2002 Weezer blaring, and I had a Darth Vader mask on and a Star Wars hat, an Imperial insignia hat, and I was like, Figures in the back seat or a side seat. Just reach in and grab it. So uh, I can only imagine what you saw from your point of view. Uh, yeah, you also had the gloves, too, that which gave it this sort of race car driver. I didn't know that the top came down in your car, so that was the thing. And I, I just, I saw a person living their best life. <laughs> but it just yeah. cracked, it cracked me up in the best way. You get sunglasses and Vader mask and top down and Weezer's blaring and like it was, it was uh, like rolling up to deliver the action figures. It was very, very cool. Uh, and it was a, a fun meeting of, of Vader masks since we both have different style Darth mm. Vader masks for safety. Yeah. yeah, you have you had a great Vader mask on. That was, of course, made by Sarah, right? She's got those skills. Yeah, uh, yeah. Mask you need. Yes. Ooh. Beautiful mask. Yeah. Uh, my, uh, for, so sorry, uh, mine was for my friends at Dead Celebrity. You can always go check out their stuff. Uh, yeah. So that that actually was my Star Wars adventure. <laughs> <laughs> Making a little uh, Star Wars action figure drop off. Yeah, that was great. Um, yeah, and, and yeah, huge again. Huge thanks to to First Rate Nate. Is very very appreciated. Yeah. Uh, oh, the only other thing I did in my Star Wars day, I, I was hired for a little job. There's a, like a, I, I was told maybe a singles meetup thing. I don't think that's accurate. It's like a, it's like a meetup company, like events and uh, adventures or something like that. And they have a mini every city and there's some nice folks that run it. And then through my, our, our friend, Joe Starr, I got hired to do a live stream zoom call, uh, star Wars day trivia and no joke, a zoom call with 50 plus people in it. Wow. And I was asking everyone Star Wars trivia questions. Uh, it was a lot of fun, different varying levels of fandoms, you know, just some casual fans, some real deep fans. Uh, one of our uh, listeners, oh gosh, 
uh, Ryan, I think it was, who had met us in Chicago, actually came to our, our live event show, I believe he said. Um, uh, so it was a lot of fun. It was truly the spirit of Star Wars. A bunch of different people from all around the country uh, and even up in Vancouver and in Canada there hanging out, celebrating Star Wars on a Zoom call. It was very space age <laughs> fun. It was it like a romantic meetup. Well, so when I was hired, I was it was framed to me as singles. Okay. Um, I did a Game of Thrones one as well. And and clearly not everyone there for meetups, uh, romantic meetups, uh, <laughs> or just uh, hanging out. And they do them online right now, but they actually generally do them in person. Hiking trips and rafting trips, movie out go. Like, they have a, a, you know, a, a chapter in Denver. And I'm like, uh, Ellis and I are trying to do some comedy in Denver. I'm like, oh, great. Maybe that could be an outing. Let's talk about it down the line when we, we can all move about the cabin freely. But um, I don't know. So I don't know. So I, at first when I went into it, I was like, am I going to be hanging out with a bunch of horny Star Wars singles? Is that what I'm doing here today? <laughs> uh, but it, wasn't. It, it wasn't, but it was just the Star Wars fans and people, humans connecting on that day. It was a lot of fun. That was great. And I assume all of your trivia uh, questions were exclusively about the Anakin Padme uh, scene on the balcony talking about sand, right? Yeah, that's all it was. That's all it was. Uh, they had three rounds of like pre-selected questions from like some, you know, another location. But I got to come up with the fourth round of pictures and I went with memorabilia and kind of pricing. Like it was like a price is right game, like oh. high, high, or, high or low. And it was uh, that was a lot of fun. That was a lot of fun. Well, that sounds great. Maybe we can play that one. I mean, yeah. I want to stay married. I don't want to be a single to have to play, but. Yes, true, true. <laughs> I'd like oh, to play that. Oh, um, my, for myself, other kind of Star Wars adventure in my mind uh, that obviously we, uh, I wanted to acknowledge a Mother's Day. We put out a tweet celebrating some of the many, many mothers in Star Wars, but also wanted to say I've been thinking about uh, the idea of motherhood in Star Wars. We've done episodes in the past uh, about that with uh, Jennifer, uh, great mother perspective that Jennifer has, but... Um, thinking a lot about Leia in Rise of Skywalker and how we've talked a lot about her getting her due as uh, as a Jedi and as a mentor, but there's so much in Rise of Skywalker that is about her being a mother, both to uh, Ben Solo, but also this new found family mother to Rey. And I think it's great that that's such a feature of Rise of Skywalker because a lot of great Star Wars storytelling has been about uh, parents and kids, but a lot of that has been about father. And I think that's one of the great things about rise of Skywalker that it brings these different mythical ideas, uh, of motherhood into star Wars. And I had had a fun adventure just sitting on the couch, thinking about that and thinking that'd be a fun thing to go into a little bit deeper in the future on four center. Oh, I know when you start thinking about something, we're going to get some good notes soon. That's what I know. So that's a great <laughs> episode. And, a, and a real important episode because the relationship between Ben Solo, Kylo Ren, and, and her is really intriguing and really powerful and really key to that story. And, and then that's not even dis discussing yet. Uh, the sur Just itching the surface on Ray and her relationship and what that meant. So, yeah, uh, that will be very good, a very good conversation to have. And absolutely, we will reach out to Jennifer and see if uh, we can get her to get, uh, get involved in some part of the episode as she's still... Uh, uh, raising that Padawan, getting it to a point where she can get back to some normal operations with us here. We, we appreciate you, all of you having patience uh, f with her and us why, why she does that. She's chomping to get back. Uh, we know that. Um, so that'd be a, we would be remiss if we didn't have her voice on that episode. Absolutely. Absolutely. So that's it for uh, my Star Wars adventures. That's a lot of adventures. And you know what? The final update for me, uh, let's see what day, Monday, the 11th. I still have not played 
Battlefront 2, Scarif, the update. Still haven't even touched it. Haven't even oh, touched it. Oh, no. <sighs> well, get in your Mustang and drive to Scarif, Ken. I'm going to do it. I finally uh, finally downloaded the the update, so it's all there. It's all there for me. <laughs> All right, before we get on to the main topic, we'd like to swing by the wild world of Star Wars news. We'll say a, well, not even a slight spoiler warning. We're just going to drop spoiler all over it. We're going to talk some Mandalorian news, some Mando 2 cast news. So by now, I think uh, most of you out there have had a chance to listen to or watch uh, Mandalorian. Uh, If not, there's a chance to duck out for a little bit. And also if you have, uh, and you're like, I don't want to know anything about season two and you somehow avoided it on social media. First of all, God bless you. Please show me the way <laughs> Two, again, maybe uh, for the next few minutes here, step aside. Cause we are going to dive into this story. Now, Joseph, there was a lot of different stories, little rumors, things, articles, this person, that person, this and that. Uh, we, I have decided uh, when I was gathering the news that we are going to be talking about the one story from an actual trusted Hollywood Reporter news site. Oh, it's called The Hollywood Reporter. That's a great name. Uh, <laughs> this is the story. Tamara Merson is reportedly, put that word out there, reportedly on board to play... Boba Fett in season two, or is it Rex? Or is it all of them? We'll talk about that in a second. As I say in the notes here, that was Boba Fett in episode five then. Ooh. Ching, walking along with those spurs. Uh, So again, while rumors have exploded about other possible characters, this is from the THR, and that's why we're choosing to cover this story, this story alone right now. Joseph, let's dive into this. Uh, We're going to talk about some why, about why we think Boba Fett will be in season two, or why it might work, or maybe why it might not. I don't want to put words in anyone's mouth, but let's just start with just this general rumor and the idea of Tamara Morrison coming back into a Star Wars project for anything is pretty exciting to me. What about you? Yeah, I was thrilled. I've always been on board with uh, Boba Fett being involved. It was a uh, uh, funny and, and entertaining and kind of a classic way to see just the the possibility of Boba Fett popping up, launching, you know, on social media, the grand old Star Wars debate is Boba Fett the coolest bounty hunter ever, or is he lame? He just stood there and did nothing and then got killed in a dumb way. Uh, that uh, ancient uh, Star Wars battleground uh, erupted on social media. But for me, I'm firmly, I'm, I'm in camp. I love Boba Fett. I love Tamora Morrison. I'm so happy uh, that he is coming back. I think there's every possibility that he would play both Boba Fett and Rex. If Ahsoka is indeed showing up, it would make sense that Rex did it, uh, would show up as well. Uh, but man, I really want Boba Fett um, because I think Boba Fett is unfinished business. Um, and, and and I want to rant a little bit more about that, but I want to hear your thoughts before hmm. I, I monologue. No, absolutely. Um, look, I'll go to the, the Rex thing first. Would love that. Um, Rex is a is a character not to be overlooked, and and I really think season seven of Clone Wars served him so right and, and some delicious stuff. So if Tamara Morrison shows up and they, uh, I don't know, put a beard on him, if it's a real beard or a beard with the volume, I don't know. We'll <laughs> see. A big dig, bushy digital beard. Uh, but as far as Boba Fett, Boba Fett, the main event, this isn't a surprise. Uh, to me, on any level, uh, just going back to episode five, uh, those spurs, there's just, it was, I can't remember at the time, it's like, if that's not Boba Fett, and you've got the spurs that you're clearly jingle jangling in our ears, what are you doing? Like, then you're just, you're just playing around with our hearts. Uh, and, and as far as Boba Fett overall, I, I, I've been in that 
Boba Fett's not one of my favorite looking characters, never was one of my favorite characters after a certain point in my career, but my career, my fandom, which at times <laughs> seemed to be um, But Clone Wars brought in the younger Boba Fett, told an intriguing story. And then, and this is where I definitely want to pass the baton to you because I want to hear your monologue. Boba Fett in this show, now, after seeing what season one is about and culture and a way of life and creeds and who or who who may not be Mandalorian and rediscovering yourself or reprogramming yourself, big themes that you throw Boba Fett into that, as long as it's not a passing cameo, but maybe there's an episode or arc with him. I am uh, like looking at chicken tenders at the comedy store patio in on this and want all <laughs> Uh, yes, I am also salivating over Boba Fett like he is a chicken tender at the comedy store. Great analogy. Uh, yeah, man, the, the the Mandalorian show has been about everybody's question to define themselves, but specifically, what is it to be a Mandalorian now? You got that great little speech from the hunter, like to, to walk the path of the Mandalore is to be both hunter and prey. And Mandalorian isn't just a people, it's a culture. There's a lot at stake in the show about the Mandalorian, but also Mandalore in general. Mm. And if, uh, if we are to understand, to make some assumptions about the timeline, if Boba Fett was the known bounty hunter, the most feared bounty hunter in the galaxy in an era where the Mandalorians were being basically kind of repressed and hunted by the Empire, then he was the face of Mandalore. And what does that mean to people? And uh, add on to that, this great ambiguity we have in modern canyon, canon about Jango and therefore Boba's relationship to being Mandalorians. Uh, all we have is that line from Olmec in the Clone Wars of telling Obi-Wan, like, Jango was not a Mandalorian. But is that Olmec's perspective, thinking that Olmec, that being a Mandalorian is about being uh, uh, from a race or, or from a planet? Or is it that he doesn't go along with the Creed idea? You got all this juicy question of how do Jango and Boba actually relate to the Mandalorian culture and what does it mean for other Mandalorians mm. that this society known for honor was represented by this fearsome bounty hunter for so long. There's so much to address just with that. Ooh, yeah, that's some juicy stuff. And this idea, you know, if we take Boba Fett and, and what we know in, in, in canon now, all right, all the great legend stuff, if you loved it and whatever, that's, that's a different thing. Uh, you know, he goes in, we believe he's dead, but then uh, Chuck Wendig's aftermath really paints you a picture that, mm, nope, his armor was there, no remains, uh, Cobb Vanth, all that kind of stuff. So Boba Fett might be out and about. And now you got Mandalorian five years in, is he re-armored up? Who is he? I'm not saying I want this, uh, I'm not saying I want this broken down Boba Fett, uh, who am I and everything, but they're, 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 the idea that you could treat it seriously uh, does he have any, uh, does he have to forgive himself for anything he did or who became, does he have to find himself? You talk about the identity. I love what you said about, yeah, for a while he was the guy in the galaxy. Oh, Mandalorians. I think that's the guy. Cause generally no one's going to know the difference in story. No right. one's going to be like, Oh, well, Django. No, no, no. It's only Almec that's going to be that or the Mandalorians. Uh, so he's this poster child for something he's not supposed to be a poster child for. How's the deal with that? And then, and then, is there any, like I said, forgiveness 
for the Jedi or what happened with his father? How does he reconcile with that? Is anything changed? Is he more hardened? And that's part of it. Th- those are the whys of Boba Fett that I am more excited for than, than I would have thought. Yeah. And then uh, th- this other part of it for me is the Boba Fett that, um, that I grew up with, who was, he was cool because he was a man of mystery. That ship sailed and I'm fine with it. We got a, a great taste of that in the first season of The Mandalorian before we really got to know uh, the Mando. Um, but what we have now is he's a, also a clone. He's a different kind of clone because uh, he wasn't altered and no sped up growth. But I mean, a part of my biggest fantasy is what if it's Tamara Morrison playing Boba Fett and Rex together and we get to see Boba Fett react to the fact that he is a clone? You know, the Mandalorian show has addressed lots mm-hmm. of different identi- ideas of identity of what does it mean to be a droid? What does it mean to be a Mandalorian? What does it mean to be a bounty hunter? So to get them to dive into between Rex and Boba himself, what does it mean to be a clone? especially when they're really fading from the galaxy. That is also juicy, interesting stuff. We're both just geeking each other up over this idea here. And again, this is, I, I am one of those, all right, yeah, Boba Fett, yeah, I, the figures are great. Uh, all right, uh, other things I enjoyed in Star Wars more, but I know a lot of people, our pal John Roca, this is one of his favorite characters, and, and, and people who love Boba Fett got to be salivating in this. But let's address this other side, Joseph, because I've seen uh, friends of ours with some videos. I've seen some people questioning like, ah, but man, what I loved about Mandalorian, it was all new. It was, yes, a familiar territory. We talked about this a little bit on the Mandalorian report yesterday of, of familiar things, but it's not the thing. It's IG-11. It's not IG-88. And, and that gave the show some freedom and appeal to people who really want and crave new things in Star Wars. And they might bristle back against Boba Fett. Boba Fett. They're like Han. Boba Fett. Boba Fett. <laughs> what do you mean? Why? Yeah. <laughs> What say you, sir, to them? Um, I, I have one thought uh, myself. Uh, well, hopefully more than one thought, but uh, what, what say you to that? I think this is going to be fully realized. I think this is going to be Boba Fett as a character in a way that you haven't seen him before. I think it's going to be sort of um, justice for Boba Fett in the prequels, in the story that he was given there, and in the Clone Wars. Uh, and I think it, it will be marrying those two ideas of, of the story that we saw of him in the prequel era and the badass bounty hunter that we knew from the original trilogy. And I think more than, so I, I think whatever baggage you have with Boba Fett, leave it at the door. Cause this is going to be something that's going to marry kind of both sides of that character. Right. And the thing that I saw a bunch of people say uh, on the internet, so I do not want to take credit for it, but I think it's a great way to look at it is there's every possibility that the Mandalorian show is going to do for Boba Fett what the Clone Wars and Rebels did for Maul. Take Mm -hmm. somebody who is incredibly cool looking in the movies, does some cool stuff, is a fun, mysterious character that you can imagine, and then really dive in and truly make them a fully rounded character and make everybody go, oh, damn, I didn't know I could ever love Maul that much. And hopefully in the future, oh, damn, I didn't know I could ever love Boba Fett that much. That's exactly where my mind was going. And not even... I wasn't even going to mention the fact that young Boba Fett in the Clone Wars with Ara Singh and all the, it's really good stuff, worth a revisit. In fact, we, I'm sure we will uh, when we uh, get back to doing some Clone Wars report episodes and focusing on specific episodes or arcs. That's one worth a revisit. But yeah, look at Maul. You're exactly what you said there, Joseph, is in my mind. Uh, Maul was, and Maul was a character I liked too, uh, probably maybe a little bit more than Boba Fett, but yeah, it's, it's different. 
and they and they made that a character and they could do that with Boba Fett that'd be be really awesome and then favreau would finally get his boba fett series now i say that <laughs> i do i do still think i trust i know this is going to serve the big story serve the mandalorian serve the child serve whatever they need i don't think suddenly this transitions into the, the boba fett ahsoka rex show you know i don't think that i, I trust that it, that won't be the case no, I mean, I think uh, I think this is a little bit of a case of when somebody tells you who they are, believe them the first time, but about a television show. And uh, the first season of Mandalorian has shown us we're going to do real tip the iceberg storytelling. It's going to be a limited amount of dialogue. We're going to suggest more than we're going to reveal. And I think that's exactly the same way that that Boba Fett or Ahsoka or Rex will appear. Good stuff. And yeah, again, rumors of other characters. We'll leave those for another time. And I'm looking forward to this. I'm really looking forward to this second season of yeah. Mandalorian. Regardless. And look, hey, this could all be a ruse. This could be something else. Tomorrow, Morrison could be playing uh, Commander Cody's son. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. Wait, we'll wait for it uh, to emerge officially. Uh, second headline here, uh, sticking with Mando, and this is, I put it in, some, uh, you know, building out the news a little bit, slow week following Star Wars Day, a lot of stuff uh, there. But on Star Wars Day, these two Twitter posts kind of made the rounds, and I think it's worth uh, talking because of kind of uh, confirmation, so to speak. Um, the much-rumored Robert Rodriguez has confirmed he's directing an episode of Mandalorian with a nice Instagram post of him directing the most popular Star Wars character in the universe right next to the child. And then Peyton Reed, now, look, he didn't say he was directing. He just showed a picture of a director's chair with his name on it and a Mandalorian helmet. <laughs> All signs do point. Now, this uh, adds to the list of uh, Carl Weathers, uh, Dave Filoni, I do believe, coming back. John Favreau did at one point say he was directing an episode. And then I was looking around. I didn't want to dig too much, lest I run into other spoilers. But I did see one kind of official report that Bryce Dallas Howard and Rick Famiglia are back. Did I read that wrong? I don't know. You let me know. Uh, so Joseph, expectations for them as directors, thoughts on this and thoughts on the child truly being the most popular character ever. <laughs> Certainly a, a very popular right now. And I think it's only mm -hmm. going to be uh, more popular as he has more uh, amazing gifable moments in season two. Uh, Robert Rodriguez, we talked a little bit about, uh, I think in previous weeks, this is the confirmation, but there'd been a lot of rumors. Peyton Reed, I I'm a big fan of the Ant-Man movies. I think both of these directors have, you know, a good handhold on comedy and a good handhold on inventive action. And I'm really looking forward to if this uh, season does have a little bit even more fighting or kind of larger action set pieces, makes a lot of sense that these are some of the directors that they would go to who have a history of setting up inventive, crazy action scenes. Yeah, and for me as a, not just uh you know, young adult of the nineties, but it's, it's, it's as someone who was in film production, screenwriting classes, when power, of the force came out and rumors of new star Wars films emerging in special editions to go back to that point in my life and go, John Favreau and Robert Rodriguez will be making Star Wars things. <laughs> I would have been like, get the hell out. What? Mariachi in space. Get um, I like Robert Rodriguez. I do like him a lot. I even, I even saw Spy Kids in the theater, my friends. Okay. Um, <laughs> I, I'm, in, I'm intrigued at what he can do, his style. Uh, he's done a lot of different things. He's maybe not as, you know, high profile as he used to be, as weird as it is to say. It's definitely someone of my generation, uh, a, film, a film fan. 
Uh, but you know, so someone who's behind El Rey, the network uh, there, and he's done, he does a lot of good things, and and uh, I'm excited to see his take. Peyton Reed, uh, other than well, actually, I, I mean, more I am Peyton Reed's one of those directors and creators that I'm more familiar with than I know when I look at his resume. But I I am uh, a fan of um, the Ambit movies. Definitely the first one. Second one blurs my mind a little bit. I'll be honest. But first one, I just remember thinking. I, I mean, it might be because I'm such a huge Paul Rudd fan. I just really am. I was there. I was there on board for it, but a lot of the comedy segments and everything in there, it worked for me. And humor and lightness, definitely uh, in Mandalorian, those baby Yoda memes you're talking about, Carl Weathers, wave, wave your magic hands. Uh, I, I think it could work for me. I think it can work. Yeah, absolutely. Ant-Man is, you know, a movie about a guy who keeps letting his uh, young child down and is trying to be a better version of himself while doing cool action things, which sounds awfully familiar when you're talking about The Mandalorian. Yeah. So we'll uh, comment on other directors as we know. Hopefully, uh, hopefully I'd love to see Bryce Dallas Howard come back. And I already would have said, yeah, I love uh, Rick Famuyiwa coming back. But then after seeing him just two episodes into this uh, Disney gallery Mandalorian thing, I just, I just love hearing him talk about his relationship to Star Wars and his view on the galaxy. I really do. And yeah. I really hope that is a uh, true uh, place out there. I know some of you might be like, yes, yeah, so here's the article. It's true. I just have chosen not to hundred percent confirm anything. Cause there's a lot of spoilers out there for me. Yeah. Yeah. I, I do not have any memory of seeing a nice, big, solid, announcement of here's everybody who's directing it has been these these drips and rumors and maybe it's like with robert rodriguez and then he confirmed it i'm really looking forward to the you know official release from lucasfilm of here are all the directors yep yep looking forward to it and hey robert rodriguez finally confirmed i'd i'd heard that from some close friends a while ago nice to finally see him on the set uh final story that i thought we were done just oh, actually wait two more two more oh my gosh that's right when I was putting the news together yesterday, I was like, ah, oh, it looks like we only have two stories. And you dig and you dig and you try to avoid spoilers and you type in Star Wars news on Google and <laughs> screen ran hate articles come up. It's, uh, you know, I'm not saying I'm a hero, Joseph, but sometimes it's tough gathering the news. Uh, two good stories <laughs> here. Uh, Lego Star Wars, the Skywalker saga, the game gets a release date or does it? Hmm. IGN uh, ran this article, their trusted source, particularly with video games, as we know. And they are reporting the game will be released on uh, PS4, Xbox, Nintendo Switch, and PC on October 20th, 2020, right in the middle of that Mandalorian Season 2 release. This was after it was mentioned on the uh, an official Star Wars YouTube video. They, they got that uh, uh, great news show now. They made the Star Wars show with Andy Gutierrez and Anthony Carboni monthly. And you got uh, what's name, Kristen Baver hosting a weekly news show. Yeah. So they said that came from that. Well, that video was pulled down and it was re-uploaded with a generic coming soon. So intrigue was it released too soon. Is that incorrect date? I don't know. Um, all I know, this game will have over 500 characters and you can explore the planets and fans of the old games of which I am head, head of design. Arthur Parsons said it was time to shake things up, shake the formula up and try something completely different. Lego games, though, he did go on to say the spirit of the games is there. So, Joseph, that's a big information dump on you there. But what do you think about the Skywalker Saga game, the Lego games in general for Star Wars and this mysterious release date? Oh, very, very excited uh, for the Lego game. Uh, I played the very original one uh, a little bit and really enjoyed it. I think I like uh, gave it to my nephew for a weekend and, and, and it was gone, which is right. That is as it should be. I wanted my nephew to have it when he was old enough. Um, but I have this such a push pull with the video game news where I love video games so much, but 
I can disappear into them so much. And I just read 500 characters and you can explore the planets. And I say, that's great. I'm so happy that exists. I can never touch it or I will accomplish nothing in my life. Mm. Mm. I'm worried because you talk about open world and, and they're not exactly, I'm throwing that term in there, but it's a, it's a, it's a term we all can connect with in, in, in terms of video games. Uh, Lego game or not. Cause by the way, I love the Lego games. I really do. Just the fact that you can go around and explore at your own will. I'm done, man. Uh, you're right. I better, uh, four centers canceled for a week. Because <laughs> I really do. The first two Star Wars Lego games are great. The Force Awakens Lego game, which I technically never finished, is actually really fun. The Indian, the first Indiana Jones Lego game, still one of my favorite video games of all time. Uh, worth a replay if, if, you, if you're out there, um, you know, or haven't tried it yet. Worth a first play, I should say. So I am more excited, and they released some key art for this on uh, Star Wars Day with all the characters. Oh, man, Joseph, I'm with you. We might have to batten down the hatches and just lock ourselves away each in our own houses for three days and play it and get it out of our system. That's the thing. Let's do a review on Force Center, and then I'll just, it's, I have to, man. It's, it's for the <laughs> podcast. I gotta. I gotta. You gotta, man. Um, speaking of video games, final story. This came from a earnings call. Those earning calls, man, in ages Bob Iger. Fallen Order is a franchise now. This is also from IGN. EA CEO Andrew Wilson confirmed in an earnings call that Fallen Order is the first in a, quote, new franchise. Now, on May 4th, a DLC pack was released quite suddenly to a lot of fans. Didn't see it coming. Has new combat training, challenges, outfits, and a little bit more. So this is going to lead a little bit into our discussion after the break here. But, Joseph, are we ready for this, this story, the Fallen Order story, Cal Kestis and others? racing towards the events of a new hope what do you think about that oh i am absolutely thrilled with that uh i was that i was waiting with bated breath as i played through fallen order to see if it would end up with uh all the characters still alive and, and ready to go on so i'm we'll talk about it more uh, my feelings about it more in the main topic but i'm really excited for a sequel and i'm really intrigued about what they mean by franchise if that means we're gonna do two we're gonna do two more it's gonna be a trilogy or do they mean like they're going to take that gameplay style and everything they've developed, take the engine and say, here's an epic story that Obi-Wan and Anakin go on in the Clone Wars. Or here's an adventure that, you know, Luke and, and young Ben had. Like, mm-hmm. is it that or uh, like they're taking the engine and you're going to be able to play other Jedi in other eras in different games? Or is it that they're staying in this era of the Fallen Order when, you know, the Jedi are being hunted? Wow, I I hadn't even thought about the idea of a video game with Luke Skywalker and young Ben Solo. What are you doing to me, man? I need that. Now. <laughs> I know, I know. Yeah, good point, good point. Uh, that's all we have right now. Uh, you know, it could be a prequel to the series with Master uh, Cordova Ooh. on a stretch. Running uh, with the Zepho or anything like that. Running with the Zepho. Uh, <laughs> there's a lot of possibilities. And if it sticks with just... The characters we know and moving forward with that, I'm intrigued as well. But the big story of, hey, a Jedi roam in the galaxy heading towards the events of New Hope, we are going to be discussing that in depth after the break. So that's the news. Before we get out of here, we're going to give you our Force Center Recommends, an audiobook we think you should try out on us. 
Yeah, that's right. I, I was still thinking about uh, celebrating motherhood in Star Wars, and I thought of Leia, Princess of Alderaan by Claudia Gray. Great stuff with Leia, but also a, gr- a lot of great stuff with Brea as an important mother in Star Wars. So that's the one we're recommending this week. And to download that or any audiobook, audiobook you want to try out on us, go to audibletrial.com slash center. Again, that's audibletrial.com slash center for your free audiobook. All right, we are going to take a quick break, but on the other side, let's dive into this. The Luke Skywalker only hope question mark of it all. This is Center. Be right back. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition Smart Bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare tri-term medical plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare tri-term medical plans may be for you. Learn more at uh1.com. 
Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Hey, Four Center fans, don't forget, Four Center is on YouTube. Head over there to catch up with our new show, Star Wars Show and Tell. Joseph, Jennifer, Ken, and special guests sit down and share favorite items from their own Star Wars memorabilia collections. Plus, there's the In Memoriam video series, encore presentations of Databank Brawl, and special programming all there for you, and more shows on the way. It's Four Center on YouTube. Check it out. Welcome back to Force Center, my friends. We are going to dive into a big discussion. Luke Skywalker, question mark, the only hope, question mark. There's a lot of questions coming up here, Joseph. This is one I've been waiting to talk about for a while uh, because I think I have conflicted and, and, and complicated layered thoughts on all of this. So Ooh. let's dive in. Yeah, those are my favorite kind of thoughts when they're all complicated and layered. Yeah, beautiful, like a cake, a cake of thoughts. I love it. Uh, yeah, this topic came to us because we get this question. I want to think uh, from you know one of our, our many different interaction sources, probably at least once a month, and it's kind of a long-standing question about this long-term fan discussion that has been going for years as new characters get added, but how many force users can be around during the days of the galactic civil war before it starts to affect the story that we know if there can ever really be just too many hopes because Luke, uh, and we'll get to talking about Leia as well, that they are the hopes, but, then there's this anxiety every time that more Jedi are introduced or maybe more Jedi survive and could possibly be around during A New Hope and we don't know. So I, I did a deep dive and tried to get as many as possible. Uh, there's also a really uh, funny meme going around a couple weeks ago of Tarkin and A New Hope saying to Vader, uh, you, you know, you're all that's left of their religion. Uh, their, their fire has gone out of the galaxy. And then Vader responding of like, but actually there was this kid and he did a thing with whales and Thrawn and actually all the Inquisitors are Jedi and blah, 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 blah. And just listing all the stuff in canon where there are <laughs> Force users that it seems like that, yeah, that, that fire is still a little bit alive. Yeah. Hey, you know what? No, that's funny, but yeah, it's really funny. I, I think it's just proof that Tarkin was just, he just wanted to believe it. And it got him in the end. <laughs> that it's a big Star Wars lesson about denial, right? Yeah, yeah, there it is. Yeah, the the fire of the Jedi were burning all around Tarkin, and he was like that dog saying, "This is fine." <laughs> there you go. There you go. All right. Here's the here's the list. Uh, now, some of these characters have been addressed, and we know their fates, and we know that they weren't around during the Galactic Civil War. But for the sake of the discussion, they're characters who we used to be concerned about as well. 
So we've got Kanan, uh, of course, addressed, and Ezra kind of addressed, uh, Ahsoka uh, addressed, we think. Uh, but now we have Cal Kestis and Sarah Junda from the Fallen Order video game. Uh, we have some surviving Jedi uh, from the prequel era whose death is not confirmed yet in canon. Most of these coming from the uh, Darth Vader comic book, but we know that Quinlan Voss survived Order 66. Opo Rancisis, yeah, survived Order 66. Uh, Coleman Cadge, who was uh, on the Jedi Council, survived. Uh, a random name has been thrown out in the comic books that I don't think they followed up on of uh, Case Baradun. Uh, and then, of course, there there is the Inquisitors themselves who uh, were former Jedi. Uh, we learn about in a bunch of different Star Wars places, uh, but the Vader comic included Project Harvester, which was the Emperor's program for abducting Force-sensitive kids, which confirms that kids sensitive to the Force are still being born in this era. So it all adds up to potentially still force users running around the galaxy right before or even during the events of the galactic civil war and and again just uh for super clarity for canon hounds i am combining all of these characters because they address that debate and that concern and some of them have been addressed like canon some of them will be addressed in future storytelling but kind of bringing them all up for the sake of discussion so with that in mind what is your your general thought? What's the first layer of your thought cake about this debate? Do you get concerned about the idea of other Jedi or Force users uh, living in this era infringing on Luke and Leia's story? I do. I do get concerned. And it's one of the rare times where I get a little bit of what you call a cannon hound. I get a little bit of <laughs> of uh, a, a, a cannon uh, security guard uh, based on my own. <laughs> so I'm trying to block this, make sure. Move along, move along. You can't see Luke. Nothing to see here. Move along. Luke can't see you. I do go down that route. It's, it isn't where I always I always stay and live, uh, especially uh, watching Star Wars now. Um, but yeah, definitely, definitely uh, from that. That's my starting point. That's the first layer. Yeah. Okay. I, I agree with your first layer. I think it is something about just the spirit of A New Hope, where it's not just. Luke is being watched over by uh, Obi-Wan. Obi-Wan is waiting for the moment that he can tell Luke uh, at least a little bit of the truth or a truth from a certain point of view and start training him. It's that, you know, it's called A New Hope and it's built up that it's it's Leia's story. It's the story of the rebellion that this is their most desperate hour and they need the help of a Jedi moving forward. So everything in A New Hope is kicked off by Leia reaching out to Obi-Wan saying, you're my only hope. Well, it's there's a new hope, and it's Luke Skywalker. There's so much that's built up. It's not just that, oh, there were some Jedi off the side that you didn't see. The story is about the desperation, the need for Obi-Wan, and then Obi-Wan going, my time has passed, but actually Luke is the guy that you need, the rebellion, that the galaxy needs. He's the hope. And I think it's the depth of that story that makes me go, yeah, but but if there's a Jedi right around, another Jedi right around the corner, what does that do to the mood? Mm. Mm. Yeah, we have to be concerned about the mood. I, yeah, I love, <laughs> I, I love right where you're starting, going to this idea of a new hope, Obi-Wan literally being the old hope in, in many ways imaginable. And that's something that, that's something that especially watching years ago, you, you don't, you don't think of. You don't think of that. So I'm glad you brought that. I have to, I literally have to kind of ruminate on that. And I like that. 
Yeah, yeah. And I think it goes to Obi-Wan's, uh, you know, speech as well. When he kind of lays out all the basics to uh, to Luke. And he says, you know, Vader helped the Empire hunt down and destroy the Jedi. You know, and he doesn't have, except for this list. <laughs> right. But they're all busy. They're all off doing other things, <laughs> you know. And there's a there's a balance to it, right? Of we we want to hear stories of other Jedi, other Force users, but how how precious is that that idea in A New Hope, and how much should we bend to uh, uh, our understanding to uh, accommodate new and fresh stories? Mm. Um, so a part of this for me, and I want to ask you about this, is there's this tension to that storytelling. If you're at all in the camp of, yeah, it shouldn't be too many Force users running around by the time of A New Hope. It creates this tension that every time we meet a Jedi who might possibly someday be alive in that era, your first thought is, well, they got to die. <laughs> and for myself, like, I think it starts to affect me on some level when like Ahsoka, cool new character, when's she going to die? Kanan and Ezra, how are they both going to die? Ooh, Cal, I really enjoyed viscerally getting to play you. When am I going to play your death? Because you got to die. It's a weird way to approach so many stories. You meet new characters and you're just like, hello, so good to meet you. How are you going to die? Because you have to do it before this time. That's a sketch I want you to write, sir. Do it the right <laughs> time, right? Uh, no, it's, uh, yeah, we, I mean, absolutely. Because Ahsoka, 2008, 2009, okay, I'm getting to like this character. Like you said, you got to die, but how are they going to deal with it? And the way they dealt with it was not a way I ever would have imagined because thank God I wasn't in charge of Clone Wars. So it is a, it is a weird, I still, and, and I guess my point of bringing that up is I should have over the last year or so, or, or God, when did Clone Wars end the first time, right? 2013, 2014. Um, I should have learned that lesson, right? Like, oh, they did that a little differently than me just killing them. Hmm. Let me think about that. But I, I'm like you, Cal Kestis. Great. Uh, looks like they're gonna, you didn't die at the end of this game. You're going to die at the other one. Let's do it. Let's kill you. I don't know why I go to that. Yeah. I mean, uh, I'd say the killing partially uh, facetiously, but uh, that is, a, you know, a part of the story of Star Wars is dying and letting go and, and characters moving on. Um, but there is also that in canon, they found interesting ways to zig and zag around. Well, and we're going to talk about them in detail, but you know, uh, Ahsoka is possibly trapped on Malachor during the Galactic Civil War. Ezra is wherever the Purgles took him in, in Purgletown, as we uh, sometimes call it, or, or Purgletory, as I believe some uh, yeah. listeners <laughs> suggested. Uh, so there's some more creative things. of like Their story can go on, but there's a reason they're not where uh, Luke and Leia are, are. There's a reason. But there's still that tension of if it's death or if it's some other bizarre and interesting idea they do need to be taken off the board for the Galactic Civil War. Does it affect your enjoyment? Like when you sat down to play Fallen Order, and we've been through this a couple times, were you like, did it did it make you enjoy Fallen Order less because you had a tension of how how are we going to take Cal off the board? Uh, once I think once I got into that it goes away, but then once it starts to end, when I again I don't know why, especially if some uh, a series that's supposed to be based on hope. And uh, look, deaths are a part of it. Deaths are a part of it. That's how we learn. Even Favreau said on that doc episode too, like, hey, yeah, you, sacrifices makes the, the the other moments that much more powerful and sweet. Um, when when Fallen Order ends and he's still on the table, that's when it, it rushed back in. And I was like, what do we do with that? And how are they going to do it? And I don't know why. 
of all the things and as open-minded as I feel I am towards Star Wars. And there's a flip side of this I want to talk about when, when it's appropriate in this conversation that actually is really intriguing to me and probably wins, wins the day more. But there's this gut reaction I have, Joseph, to I don't want this lightsaber kid around. Cut him out. <laughs> Kill him. Chop him off. Wipe him out. I don't know why. I don't know why. Well, I, I mean, I I think you know why. Uh, I yeah. think you think you know why. Uh, yeah. Not to put my opinions on you, but are, are you having a hard time verbalizing why you don't want Cal Kestis to be right around the corner from Luke? It, you know, is it because, well... Why didn't why didn't he ever meet up with the rebellion? Why didn't he get? Uh, why wasn't he around to help with the Death Star plans? Um, why wasn't he a resource that Luke could find for wisdom? Is it just those kind of real practical questions? It is, and that's why I don't like to. I, I try not to get lost in that, and I don't think I do get lost in that in other parts of the story. But it might be connecting to my youth. It might be connecting to the story as presented in episode four at the time, at the time. And again, George didn't even know at the time that this was going to become what it was, which again, is someone want to come back to. Obi-Wan gives the idea that it is truly, you believe Tarkin, you believe Obi-Wan, it is truly something of the past. It is, it is what used to be. And you are the last of it. And now I'm gone. I'm Obi-Wan. And, and now you are the last Jedi. And even though, as when I look at the story that never worked, that never could have worked. And George did have this other view. Uh, again, he didn't know. He didn't even know he'd get a chance to do Empire. But it's written and presented a lot of times as that's it. That's the story. That's the story of A New Hope. And you are the last. So I get caught up in that, even though I am so beyond that in my modern story, Star Wars storytelling viewing, That if any of that makes sense. So, yeah. That's right. So, yes, to answer your question, yes, I get hung up because I feel sometimes I'm still 10. <laughs> no, Luke's it. Luke's it. Leia as well. But Luke's it. Luke's it. That, that, that moved me because I thought he was the only one. It's, an, it's a weird expectation. It's a weird attachment. I'm a Sith now. No, no, I don't, I don't think it's a weird attachment. And I think this is why it's healthy to talk through why things bother us. And I think you and I are similar about some canon things where, like, for me, like, uh yeah, how did how did Ben Solo get uh from Kefbir to Exegol? Well, uh, okay, I don't I don't mind making up the detail that yeah he scavenged a Tie Fighter and he jury rigged a you know a hyperdrive to it. Great, great, great. But then you get into the things that I think may maybe matter on a larger emotional scale, and I don't think that there's anything wrong with having our opinions about you know it's not fiddly canon. It is so much of what motivates Luke in the actions of Obi-Wan and, and Yoda about trying to decide whether to train him and whether it's worth the risk and how, how heavy is the burden on his shoulders that that stuff gets beyond the just, but you said this number and it's actually this number or the lightsabers are this color, but now they're this color. It's, this is canon that I think to me gets to emotional reactions to the story. Yeah, so right. You're thinking about you talking about the emperor and how many times have you know even off air, almost to the point of me being me being the jerk when people are like, "Aren't you? Uh, how did how did the emperor come back?" I'm like, "He just came back. Why are you worried about it? Enjoy the movie. <laughs> you know, like don't worry yeah. about." It. Um, even though there are some big questions attached to it in the ending of Jedi and everything stuff we've talked about here, which I, I don't think any of it knocks anything from Return of the Jedi off. But yeah, 
Yeah, yeah. I, I, there's big emotions behind this idea of Luke wasn't the only one. Okay. You said you were wrestling with uh, a something on the flip side. Is that a, a thought that's on the notes or is that something different? Because I want to make sure that we, we hear well, your flip side thought. I just uh, um, kind of wonder, I don't want to take it down a path um, too far away uh, from what you got uh, down here, but it, it has to come in at some point. It is, it is the idea of from, <clears throat> from that very somewhat negative starting point of me with my arms crossed. Like for instance, I, I didn't have a problem with Canaan. Uh, in 2014, but I had a problem with Ezra because hmm. he's younger and he's kind of a, a new Luke in that scenario. I, and in my, in my head, I figured Kanan probably would die and you know, blah, blah, blah. But um, Ezra was a problem. And then I jumped to one of my favorite 30 minutes or so of star Wars, uh, mall Kenobi final duel twin sons episode. When, when Obi-Wan just says to Ezra, you're not supposed to be here. Yeah, and this is not your story. It goes to a little bit what you said. Obi-Wan was even kind of saying that in New Hope. I wasn't listening. Sometimes I still don't listen to it. Where it doesn't mean there's not different destinies and there's not different force users in the universe. Where this one is, this, as you said, it is Luke's story. It's Leia's story. There's other stories to tell. And Ezra, you're not supposed to be here. And even Ezra has to let that go. So, yeah. Pretty powerful. And then there's some nuts and bolts stuff we can bring back when you feel appropriate, Joseph, of, of when I really, and I, you guys, I get excited about laying the story down on timelines, not necessarily canon timelines, but just this tracing paper of story. I do go back to George's initial thing and I'm like, hey, it was flawed from the start because unless you were to assume that Anakin had Luke halfway through his life, and then was a Jedi, became a Jedi or became a Sith after or whatever. You know, that timeline's already muddy. When you're talking, when Obi-Wan's talking to a 19-year-old kid in the story. Oh, I remember your father so long ago, not even two decades. Like, <laughs> it's already something you have to deal with. And I do think they deal with it really well. My headcanon thing of Tarkin does kind of track for me personally of, yeah, don't worry about it. There can't be more. You're the only one Vader. Oh, now I'm dead because of that belief. And so there, the idea of survivors and Jedi on the run. And then this thing that kind of emerged, where did it emerge this past week? Uh, many things popping up the internet of, might've been Filoni talking about George's thoughts on it. Like, no, they wouldn't regroup. The surviving Jedi are beaten and they're depressed by it. And they're, and they're confused and hurt and disappointed in themselves. How many times have you and I had the discussion about Kenobi being in the desert and maybe seven years or so in when this show comes around, he's been dealing with the, how did we do that? Oh my God. And, and I, we failed. And now I'm really intrigued by the surviving Jedi going, man, it isn't our story. It's got to be someone else. How do we help them? Because I'm not capable of doing it anymore. And then how do they refine that? Like Canaan, finding himself as a teacher, finding his purpose and his story. Then I get interested. Then I'm on board. Yeah. And I think that was the great, in some ways, answer to this question. And I have faith that Fallen Order, the first one was written so well, I have faith in the second one that this idea that was really introduced well in Rebels of we all have our battles to fight. We all have our places to be. And for Kanan, it, it was his discovery of this family being Ezra's teacher, but also kind of being the um, the father figure of this whole group and sacrificing himself for where they really all truly came together on on Lothal and and uh, ending this one specific you know 
program of the the tie defenders. And for Ezra, it was like, I am all about protecting Lothal and that that's my journey. And, and even, you know, his journey isn't over, so we don't know. So this idea that a lot of the Jedi are very in tune with the ideas of fate and destiny, and they have faith that they are being led toward the path that they need to be on um, is really, really powerful to address this question. Mm. Yeah, and look, the only thing that could save Vader, redeem Vader, and 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 change the course of the galaxy would be his children, right? So Ezra's probably not going to do much, you know. I guess maybe Ahsoka too, um, but you know, <laughs> or yeah, well, that's yeah. I am Opo Rancisis, Darth Vader. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Anyways, <laughs> yeah, yeah. I want to talk about that because there is there's the fate and the destiny, and then there is as much as it can be, just kind of a who's tougher. There is the story that they've been doing in canon of there's a lot of surviving Jedi who just, they could try all they wanted, but they weren't going to take down Vader and uh, Sidious in their prime. Vader in particular, you know, like in the Vader comic, uh, you know, tune out for 30 seconds if you don't want to spoiler, like, you know, he takes out Eth Goth, you know, Jedi Master, like nobody can quite stand up to him. So there's this question of power, like Mm -hmm. actual ability, to make a difference, uh, which you can go, would Kanan and Ezra, would they ever have got to the level where they could have taken out Vader? And, and that gets dealt with in the Fallen Order comic or uh, uh, video game as well. But then there's fate. So I want to talk about at this point in canon, at the uh, after all the storytelling that has been built up, do you think it's a valid interpretation that Luke is not the only hope because he is a powerful force user, but also because it is his destiny to confront his father, to confront his family, to confront his legacy. Uh, Does that track for you that what Obi-Wan is saying in Rebels to Ezra is, hey, Ezra, you have your battle to fight, and no one else is going to be able to fight Luke's battle for him. It's not just that he has this many hit points uh, of force power. It's that this is his destiny to confront his father. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Now, now it gets to the area of, of looking at it from a, not just a different point of view, but looking at it from not being 10 anymore and seeing <laughs> the picture and the story, you know, all that stuff that brought, was brought up last week about Qui-Gon all and the fight and Anakin's journey connecting to the fatherhood and all that kind of, then, and, and with Leia too, the, the, then it's like, Oh, I, I just, I, I I took the words the wrong way as a kid and maybe even as an adult. Uh, it isn't just about the rebellion against the Empire. That's part of it. That's very much part of it. But so is keeping and defending Lothal. So is uh, Cal Kestis's journey and whatever Opo Rancestis's journey is. Um, <laughs> it's all there. But this is the big one. This is the story of Star Wars. This is why, again, I sometimes like... I push back a little bit of, of, of people getting upset with rise of Skywalker mating, making quote, the galaxy small. I'm always like, no, this is the story of the Skywalkers. It's not small. This is that story. So yes, it works. Yeah. Yeah. And I think there's the, there's always that great line in return of the Jedi where Luke, uh, confirms with Yoda that Vader is was once Anakin Skywalker, his father. Um, and, you know, unforeseen and, and you know, uh, uh, unfortunate this is. And un- Luke says, unfortunate I know the truth. And I love Frank Oz's delivery of, you know, Yoda 
saying, no, no, that not yet ready for the burden were you. And there's, there's such kindness in that, in this idea of burden, the idea that Lucas is very powerful in the force. And that is an element of what Yoda and Obi-Wan, I think, are seeing in probably literal visions of what may or may not occur uh, in my head canon. But they also know that your connection to your father is going to make a difference. Only you can set this right or make it worse because you were born with this great power. You have this direct relationship to this conflict and you are either going to set it right or you are going to make it worse. And when you think about it that way, it makes Obi-Wan and Yoda's conversation in Empire about whether Luke should be trained so much more powerful. And, and all the canon that's been built up that Obi-Wan seems in Rebels to now believe that Luke is the chosen one. And right. that that's, that's a very specific thing of not just like, he, he's real powerful. I think he could do it. I think he could kick his dad's ass and save the galaxy. But he's the one who is meant to do this. He is meant to bring balance to the Force. Mm-hmm. And then we get this storytelling that maybe that's partially right. You know, that's that's very Obi-Wan from a certain point of view and that that Luke and Vader, Anakin together defeat the Empire and end the Sith. So that mm-hmm. and that and that interaction was only going to happen. Nobody was ever going to ve- beat Vader by kicking his ass. And it was only Luke who could get through to Anakin by loving his father. And that that's the reason that Luke is the mm. new hope. Mm. Yeah. Uh, love it. I'm thinking about Leia as you're talking too, and we're going to talk about it here um, about how Leia, then again, Leia's story and destiny definitely is on a different path. And, and a lot of that is leadership and, re- and rebellion, the story, her story, you know what I mean? And yeah. yet it starts out with George, maybe not thinking she's a Jedi and maybe not writing that into his story. But it works for me when you play it out of just like, and then, and look where it ends up. So now her destiny, her journey goes beyond and it's something different from even Luke's. Uh, that's powerful for me. Yeah, absolutely. And yeah, I do want to talk about uh, yeah. Leia some more, but we've got one more question kind of on this, this idea that Luke is the only hope, not because he's the only Jedi around or he's only because he's so powerful, but because it is his destiny. If you accept that interpretation, does it still bug you if we learn that, like, yep, Quinlan Voss was still alive. He was getting drunk, you know, on Narshada and didn't want to get involved, but he was there. Would it still bug you? No, no. And this is where I love these, ep- I love all of our Four Center episodes, but I love the episodes where I can come and bring a little bit of my baggage, where I can come and bring a little bit of my view of Star Wars at 14 or 22 or 32. Uh, to the conversation and see how much and 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 it wasn't it's not a it wasn't a hard sell for me at all because I I'm so into the modern story and so uh, this 19 years creating you know even Jacques Costa news around for a little bit you know like I love that so now exactly what you're talking about something you just said something you just said no one was going to defeat Darth Vader by kicking his ass because quite frankly outside of maybe Palpatine <laughs> he's the best. You know, there's a reason even Maul scurries away from him in Rebels. Uh, he's here. There's, there's, the, you know, because of what he became, even yeah. after Anakin, what he became. He is over the hallway scene, all that kind of stuff, all the cool moments with Darth Vader. 
mean to me exactly what you just said. I, and uh, you put that on a t-shirt. Darth, no one's going to kick Darth, beat Darth, Darth Vader by kicking his ass. That was never the point. And so when I look at that and that's how I look at the story now, that's what a new hope is. Yes. It is tied into the rebellion. It's tied into the death star blowing up. It's tied into Leia having a great resource and confidant and a partner in her, in her rebellion with Luke, which also brings in Han. There's all those kind of things, but focus on the why. Why was Luke the, the new hope? Exactly what you're talking about. It's more powerful. And now I'm less worried about drunk Quinlan Voss. <laughs> now I want drunk Quinlan Voss. We'll talk about Quinlan. But yeah, yeah, Leia, this is this is a big deal because Leia's heritage as a Jedi has been fleshed out a lot in modern canon, not just the revelation Rise of Skywalker that she trained, but the great uh, chapter in From a Certain Point of View book where Yoda is looking and, and watching from Dagobah and oh, longing to train that Jedi who is serious-minded, but uh, kind and loving and committed, committed more than anything, will take this seriously. And it's not longing for adventure. And you're like, who could that be? It's not Luke. And, and you get that great reveal that Yoda is pining to train Leia because she's got all of the traits that in Yoda's mind are, would make a great Jedi. So we've got a lot that's built up around Leia. Um, how, how does all this new canon affect your view of Luke as the only hope? Um, even Yoda said in Empire Strikes Back, there is another. So uh, I just want to get your baseline, and then I got another question. Mm. Yeah, uh, the baseline might be, it's still, I love that, first of all, I love that Obi-Wan and, and Yoda might have been in a little bit of a debate on that, a little, uh, you know, afterlife debate from <laughs> Obi-Wan. I love that. I don't think Yoda's wrong, and I also think it's tied into it. Uh, if you really break down, you know, we talk about destinies, actually, you know, uh, the choices you make once you're brought to the that part of the path and all the stuff. But look at, uh, again, Leia's leadership is needed. Her, her rebellion's needed. Her upbringing was different. And the force, the flip of the coin, she wasn't raised on a, a moisture farm and Luke wasn't the prince, the crown prince of Alderaan. She was sent there. Her Bale and Breha uh, Organa are, are imprinted on her just as much as, as anyone else in her life, right? So she needed to go that way, but yet it is it is her. It is the, the threat against her that springs Luke into action with a little bit of anger tied into it. Yep. Uh, and it is... The thing that drives, uh, you know, who knows? Uh, we still might be telling a story where Luke's hiding underneath the stairs and, and Vader can't find him. <laughs> As a kid, it's always like, isn't he? It looks pretty light under there. Um, you know, but it's that. So she is tied to that and is part of it. I just think the galaxy was saying, and maybe even Yoda didn't fully want to accept it, that her path lies on a bigger picture, on a bigger picture. Because now even the ultimate victory is tied to her. Yeah. Yeah, that she she didn't have this conflict with Vader and uh, uh, this direct conflict with Sidious. She certainly did, you know, bring the whole rebellion to Sidious's door. Um, yeah. But that she was destined for this other challenge of saving saving Ben uh, and saving the galaxy on uh, that end of the timeline as a part of her journey. Uh it's it's really interesting because she in modern canon she is also really imbued as the custodian of hope. You know, Rogue One literalizes that of uh, this information about the Death Star plans is hope, and I am I am bringing that. Do I think Obi Wan Kenobi? But then 
fatefully my my twin brother uh and this idea that she kind of has to go on because she is the embodiment in the galaxy of hope and resilience and not going to change her mind not going to back down not going to be buffeted by the wind she is rock solid she is the galaxy's hope uh creates this interesting dynamic that makes you wonder okay if things had gone differently could she have uh, been in the same place as Luke she has this relationship or that's her father too and and could could it have been the exact same manipulation where Vader is hunting her in the Death Star uh in Palpatine's you know uh yeah. throne room and threatening Luke's life to try to get her to turn uh, and how would she have handled it differently because of anything innate about herself and because of her life experience is there any thought? I'm just tossing this out. I, I don't know. Is there any thought following this out, following what Yoda thinks? Is there any thought that she would be just too damn good at it that you needed Luke to kind of mess up and get a little angry and chop a hand off? <laughs> Is there any thought that she would have just been like, yeah, not doing it? Not do- you know what I mean? Like, uh, I don't know. I'm, I'm having fun with this. This is a fun part of the discussion of just wondering the what ifs and everything. You know what I mean? Just like Luke was just a little wild enough to be. No, and that and that kind of set the chain of events forward. I don't know. Just- Who knows? Who knows? Yeah, it's fun for me to. I one of the details that I really liked in the Rise of Skywalker novelization was Leia reflecting in her mind about how she and Rey were, you know, kind of what was left of the Jedi in the beginning of a new uh, era of Jedi, and how they had a different approach because it right or wrong wasn't philosophical for them. It was something they had to deal with on the ground in reality all the time and to think that if luke's challenge in like empire strikes back era is he thinks being a jedi makes you a great warrior and that war makes you great and he craves action and adventure and excitement he's seeing things in this kind of simple way that leia's challenge would have been hey my parents tried everything they tried negotiation they tried all these tactics but the empire has to be fought you know I don't want to kill anybody, but when it comes down to it, yeah, that's it's war and people got to die. Would she have, is that the challenge that she would have had to get past to say, you have this clear vision of, uh, sometimes violence is needed. It's sad, but that's war. That's the way it is. And would she have been able to get past that to have empathy for Vader who had done awful things to her? Yeah. Yeah. That's <laughs> That's true. That's true. If he's, if Vader's sitting down with his hand chopped off, wheezing, is she going to be like, I'm going to push off the railing? <laughs> yeah. And I mean, Le- Leia's a hero. Leia's a great uh, yeah. character. And, and you, you, I, I believe that she, she has great empathy in her as well. She would have found that. I, I think a lot of this is the function of the story was created in one way back in the day. Leia was, you know, a, a incredibly strong and vital character uh for the time but it was the original trilogy is still luke's story and now as we look back and we love that character we build new canon all these questions uh emerge i think as they should um mm-hmm. w- one other thing that i wanted to ask you about in particular is do you think for your interpretation or head canon, do you think it was fate this is what destiny is calling out for is for luke to face his father while leia has other responsibilities in the galaxy. So fate on one hand, or do you think it was Obi-Wan's choice 
that Obi-Wan had this belief from somewhere that Luke was the chosen one, and he kind of gave the burden to Luke rather than handing it to Leia. I think there's some truth to that. At least I can get behind it. And not necessarily that he was flipping his own chance cube, but just like he's out here, he's on this, he's on this mission 19 years in uh, he's thinking about it at some point, maybe, and we talk about visions being taken from a certain point of view, unreliable narrators. And, you know, in his mind, this is what I hope the series forthcoming series deals with on some level of just like, here's why I have this conviction. And we come to that. And, and, and that is all part of it, that it wasn't necessarily that he was exerting his own will into it, but just that in his interpretation of what the force was saying, if that makes sense, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. Cause I follow, I follow, I follow what you're saying. It's just like, I guess I'm not trying to say Obi-Wan was wrong. Just that he just was like, this is what, Hey, this is, and he's pretty confident. And he's like, no, this is what I, it's, it's almost like, when we get a, you know, an interpretation of star Wars, the story, we're like, no, I'm pretty confident. This is what it means. George might come along and go, mm, I don't know, this is what I meant. But we're like, no, 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 no. I think this is it. Cause we study all the things we've read all the things. Obi-Wan was there and this felt good. And this is why I like, again, really, if you guys have out there listening, haven't listened, haven't read the, from a certain point of view story where, where Yoda uh, on Dagobah and Obi-Wan kind of, you know, disagree a little bit, a little disagreement. <laughs> I think yeah. it's good. I think it's good. And I think, yeah, I think so. He's almost like, I didn't choose. Almost if he was to tell you, Joseph, I didn't choose. I was put on this path. They didn't, they didn't send the kid to Alderaan. This is the path. And this is the call of the force that I'm, I'm putting all my eggs in. Yeah. Yeah. I I think that it is a reflection of Obi-Wan having visions, intuition, uh, trying to follow the will of the, the force and seeing that it is it is Luke who came to him, you know, in a, in a different twist of fate where Leia makes it to Alderaan and just lands outside his hut. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Maybe he would have reconsidered. Um, but I, I do like this idea that he has an accurate, accurate intuition, vision, whatever it is, that only Luke is destined to defeat Vader and his emperor. And my Obi-Wan headcanon continues to be that Obi-Wan has some sort of confrontation with Vader where he feels there's no hope for Anakin to return. So he interprets this vision that Luke could be, is the only one who could defeat Vader as, sadly, there's no other option. Vader must die and and Luke is the one destined to do it. And uh, I I have just joy thinking of Obi-Wan realizing I'm so happy I was wrong that I I was right that Luke is destined to stop Vader and the emperor, but I am so relieved that I was wrong, that it had to be death. Yeah. Mm. I like that. I'll go, I'll, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I, I just, I, yeah. I'm so, I, I want more, I want more Obi-Wan man beyond even the series. I want, I want the journals of Obi-Wan. I want something. Yeah. Uh, yeah. It's fascinating to me. Yeah, there's there's a lot of story to be told there. A lot of story to be told. Uh, maybe maybe someday uh, uh, James Arnold Taylor will, will get permission to do to do that play, uh, the the Broadway Obi Wan Kenobi one person yeah. show. Um, yeah, and and I do like the general kind of Star Wars answer answer for Leia of she had other other uh, responsibilities in in fate that she played out very very well. Um, we're going to move on because we could talk about the what ifs with Leia and Luke for uh, three episodes of Four Center. 
You kind of touched on this, uh, but I want to talk about it. Depending on timing of exactly when this happened, there, there's a point at which there could have been a solid Jedi fighting force to get together and just team up to try to take down Vader and Palpatine. Yeah. Um, you, you addressed this, but I, I think for me those questions are, uh, well, the reason Cal and Kanan didn't get together with uh, Sarah and, and maybe Opo, if he was still alive at that time, and start kicking ass is because, A, uh, they're in hiding. So can they find each other? Is is the Republic network built up enough? Um, you know, if, if Soka, in theory, could uh, be reaching out as Fulcrum. Mm. But then that larger question of, we all feel that we contributed to what happened by playing into the violence, playing into the Clone Wars, and that's all making us question, when is the right time to uh, attack? When is the right time to raise our lightsabers? How do you feel about that? About why why the super team of remaining Force users didn't get together and just go kick some ass? Yeah, because Star Wars is about kicking ass. Um, it works for me uh, with this thing that, that, that we were talking about, what you just mentioned, the, this, this kind of brokenheartedness. You know, like like Luke says, uh, it's it's destiny of the Jedi to confront fear, and and he would know that because he had to confront his fears, and he had to disconnect uh, and run away and learn that that wasn't the way to do it in his in his older age after he made some mistakes. Uh, so if he's dealing with that on himself, and he's got the burden of being the quote, uh, you know, the one or, or part, you know, part two of the chosen one prophecy, if you will, imagine just I'll put quote these average Jedi, all, all of them uh, great Jedi in their own way, but. They aren't under the belief that they're part of this great destiny. They're they're just part of something, and that something was destroyed. They had a hand in it. You're right. They are on the run. Let's not forget that Vader and now the Inquisitors are part of this team uh, that's going out there. And and even the Rebellion is is in different cells. Where even some of the Rebellion uh, soldiers and officers don't know the other cell. So Kanan and, and Ezra might be running around doing stuff. So. Why am I to think that Cal other and Seer, other than maybe feeling it, and we don't have those answers yet, if they're even around or whatever, you know, feeling the force sort of awaken, but let's just say they're not sure. Uh, they have their own stories and their own missions and their own journeys. So there's a lot that goes into this idea of a like where there is no super team that forms up yet, unless it's a story we get. <laughs> um which we won't, but uh, you know what I mean? So, so they all have good reasons to not at the beginning. And then as it starts growing, they have good reasons to focus on their own story. Right. Right. And, and it's the story of Yoda and Obi-Wan in the original trilogy that they are waiting for something greater. Obi-Wan does respond when, when the call comes to him in a new hope. And so does Yoda when the call comes to him in empire strikes back to take action by training Luke. Uh, but they're waiting until the force tells them it's right. Yeah. 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 And if you're disconnected by the force and a lot of your best friends got killed um, and you might feel the blame in some way. Like, yeah. There's a lot there out there. Yeah. And am I going to, am I going to help anybody since I'm, I'm haunted, you know, and like the Ahsoka novel, uh, I was you know, flipping through it and being reminded of how much that is the choice. And it, it's uh, actually the very beginning of fallen order too, of like it, that this great question that I love that's being told in star Wars of when will my actions hurt others? On one hand, I'm a Jedi, I have power, I have a responsibility to act, but if I just save someone from some machinery falling on them, I might get everyone around me killed because yeah. I'm being hunted as a Jedi. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, so let's talk about some of the 
currently uh, in canon still surviving Jedi Force users uh, with the caveat that a lot of these stories will be told, right? And we'll just know the answer someday. But right now, we got Cal and Sarah from Fallen Order. Uh, we ha- have uh, Marin, uh, the Night Sister, using weird Force magic, and they're all bouncing around the galaxy together. How do you want their story to end uh, before A New Hope? I want Vader to chop their heads off, drop the <laughs> heads in front of Tarkin, and be like, the fire in the galaxy is burnt out. And that's why Tarkin says that in New Hope. Uh, it's it, perfect. It explains it all. Yeah. Um, I don't want their story to end. It's like they've done such a good job with Ahsoka and Ezra tying those story together. And it's not necessarily death. It's not being on the playing field. Um, something like that. I just, I got a yeah, seer seer particularly. I don't, I, I have her marked for death only cause she's in a bit of a mentor role and uh, keeping with some of those classic tropes. See, but it doesn't necessarily have to be that for me. Um, yeah, I don't. I, 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 finding the heartfelt, creative way to get Cal off the plane, uh, plane field is is all I'm concerned about. It doesn't have to be death for the poor guy. Okay. Well, let me ask you this: um, Do you feel like at some point the pileup of they're not dead, but they're off the plane field? Does it start to? Does it just? Does it make the galaxy wider for you, or does it start to feel like we're not willing to let go of characters? Kill them. Kill them all. <laughs> yeah. Ahsoka's a different story. Ezra, I, here's the thing. I never, Kanan, again, I, right from the beginning, was probably bracing for his death. I never thought Ezra would die for simple, just real world reasons of your marketing the show generally to children or preteens. I don't think anyone's going to sign off on him dying, even if it's on, on the show, on yeah. that so now as things get a little different or they go live action or all these kind of things, it could be handled a little differently. Um, but yeah, no, there's some truth to that. You got to let go, man. got to be like the Jedi. You do have to let him go. Yeah. Hey, yeah. Maybe Kyle doesn't let go. And now he's, uh, he's an inquisitor. I don't know. <laughs> well, he, he had the full spoilers for fallen order story. Uh, tune out if you know, we've already talked about a lot of it, but full, you know, they make that choice at the end that he does have a vision of himself, right. As an inquisitor and, and yeah. that he will be, turned if he goes around the galaxy with the holocron trying to get young jedi and he decides not to but it's left on this great kind of energy of like well but then what are we going to do we're going to go around and help we're going to be jedi but how um i think what i would like for their story if it takes uh, one video game or seven i would like for cal and sarah to have some importance the same way i think it was built up that kanan and ezra completed a a mission that was very important to them. And Ezra's mission is still ongoing. Um, I wonder if we know that Luke found, went around and found all the Jedi text, but there's so much in that first fallen order game. That's about kind of archeology span and not forgetting the old ways uh, that I would love it. If it was the story of them rescuing a Jedi text and, you know, one of the video games could end with Luke finding what was preserved by Cal and Sarah and that they sacrificed their lives to hide this Jedi text so the knowledge could go on. Ooh, that's good. I like that a lot. Um, it's also they could just reconnect with the Zepho and party with them on their planet now, right? Could be. Right. <laughs> yeah, so that's another moving them off the chessboard of like they, yeah. they merge with living statues of Zepho. And who knows? That could be nice, too. Yeah, yeah. Uh, speaking of other potential straight-up deaths. Uh, so 
right now in the in the Vader comics, we've had these revelations from all the we just get to spy these uh, different uh, lists in Orabesh of the Inquisitors lists of uh, Jedi who are not accounted for yet. And on that list, we got Quinlan Voss, we got Opa Rancisis, we got Coleman Cadge. Um, a lot of Jedi we've seen Vader himself take down in yeah. the Vader comic. But do you want stories for these Jedi? Quinlan is a beloved character in particular. Do you want a Quinlan story? And if so, how do you wrestle with that, that it's got to be the story of either his death or being taken off the playing field? I, I think his death works to me. If you can frame it, showing a little bit we've talked about of how um, Vader isn't going to get his ass kicked. And so maybe Quinlan knows this. And so he tries to appeal to him on another level. Hey, uh, you know, again, whether he knows or not he's Anakin or not, that can sometimes you can debate that. But if, if he tries another way of, wait, were you a Jedi? I was a Jedi. Wait, I knew you. Uh, hey, here, here's our good times. Here's a connection. Don't do this. And he tries to convert him, tries to redeem him. But there isn't a connection there. There isn't uh, that tension. Vader is not attached to him like he is to Ahsoka, like he is to his son and to his daughter. And so something in Quinlan's story highlighting what they can do and the power in those other characters uh, as he tries violently but meets his end. Yeah, yeah. I think there's something about Quinlan. He's such a such a great character. He's developed so well in Dark Disciple. Mm-hmm. Um, it, there's the great storytelling in this last season of Clone Wars where Ahsoka's really learning that lesson that from her perspective, what it is to be a Jedi is you go about your life and you see somebody needs help, you help them that I wonder if there's a great story to be told with Quinlan of like, mm-hmm. he senses, he knows, uh, I can't, I can't change everything by myself. Uh, but he runs in, into a problem that he can't ignore. And I, I, I'm really liking these smaller stories in star Wars where the stakes are incredibly high for the people in that story. If the story is well told. And I think there could be a beautiful Quinlan Voss story where he doesn't have to save the galaxy. He doesn't have to try to take on Sidious in a lightsaber fight. Uh, that'd be cool. But it's just he could go out truly being a Jedi and saving somebody uh, who would have died without him being there. And that matters, too. Absolutely. He saves yeah. Chris Maydine. It's all tied together. <laughs> That's right. Uh, I'll, I'll take the Quinlan and Opal Rancis' uh, buddy movie. The Buddy Disney Plus show, any old day. Uh, let's talk Ahsoka and Ezra in terms of being moved off the playing field, off the old uh, Star Wars chessboard. Uh, right now, the stuff with Ahsoka is not entirely clear. It appears, not confirmed, that she might have spent the Galactic Civil War uh, on Malachor. Uh, we know that uh, Ezra saves her from Vader by pulling her into the world uh, between worlds, but she goes back and we see her walking into the depths of Malachor. Uh, our friend Alex Damon has a great video. I love this where he is micro analyzing some tops trading cards of, of just Ahsoka images that Dave Filoni drew to figure out what might have happened to Ahsoka during the Galactic Civil War. Yeah. It is great stuff. Uh, and then Ezra is in Purgletown, Purgatory. Purgatory, unknown regions, many of us uh, suspect. Um, so they have been successfully taken off the board for the Galactic Civil War. First, are you just, are you okay with that? Are you satisfied with that for the Galactic I, Civil War part of it? Yeah, yeah, I, for the most part, I, for the most part, I am. I, I don't know what I want. Just again, because the Ahsoka thing from going that point in, in 08 and 09 where I'm like, well, all right, she got to die. And, and, and it was handled. So even just her walking away from the Jedi Order, if it had just been that, 
you know, then you'd have to explain why she didn't take up arms against the empire and everything. Like, I, I understand that. But even if it had just been that, I was like, oh, this is so beautiful and heartfelt and part of her growth and her becoming who she's supposed to be. That worked for me on that level. Now to add in all this other stuff and a little bit more of the, the mystical side, Ahsoka, the Gandalf, the white, whatever you know, it is going on with her. Uh, I, I'm okay with it. Um, the other stuff, taking Thrawn off the, the board, it's a two-for-one special right there. It all does work <laughs> because it was was handled so well in Rebels. It's a good example of, of expanding the story there. Yeah, and Ezra was so sure of his purpose and his choice, and so was Ahsoka. So it felt like they're dealing with their their destinies. So, hey, great. Uh, we're both in the same place. Two big thumbs up on how Ahsoka and Ezra were taken off the board for the Galactic Civil War. Uh, we uh, cut to the end of the Galactic Civil War, and we know that Ahsoka and Sabine are going out looking for Ezra. And uh, are we back where we started, where we're going, now where's Ezra and Ahsoka during the sequel trilogy war? <laughs> Uh, a little bit, a little bit. And, you know, we hear her voice. It doesn't mean she's dead. Man, she might be dead. I don't know. Um, yeah. Uh, I mean, this is hopefully the storytelling we're going to get, man. And, uh, right. Uh, I'm never rooting for their deaths. Um, not, I'm not, I'm really not. But do you have some anxiety about it though? Like we know that we're going to get some storytelling. I, I, I think I'm not alone in suspecting that they'll announce the animated Ahsoka Sabine look for Ezra's series soon is, is my guess. Could be wrong. Um, we know that we're going to most likely get that storytelling. We ha- can have faith that a lot of the, this other storytelling around them has been great, that that'll be great. But so we get comfort th- from that. But does it weird you out at all to be kind of back in that same place where, great, they survived the Galactic Civil War and didn't disrupt that canon. Now I'm watching another story where I'm going, how do they end? How do they end? Because they can't run into the sequel era. Um, a little, a little bit, but now I think I trust it more. I trust yeah. the Felonian team, how to handle her and, and look, sometimes even maybe, you know, Dave needs to let her go, right? <laughs> maybe at some point, <laughs> uh, let her go into the darkness, my friend. But, um, yeah, I try, I, I just think, I just think it comes down to that. It, I just trust that they'll do it more where earlier, maybe in 2015, I would have been like, Oh, too many, too many uh, pieces on the board. Yeah, I know. I'm I'm in the same uh, place of like, yeah, no, I, I at this point I trust that storytelling to be good, and and I still wonder if one or both of them will end up in in mortis or a mortis like place and mm-hmm. have this that they didn't die, but they are not of this galaxy uh, anymore as we know it and understand it. And our, you know, I, I like in a lot of different genre storytelling the like the I, I have to remain here forever to protect this temple kind of end for a character where wow. they they go on into infinity but they're not going to be a part of the active challenges of the galaxy uh, i can i can give you that uh, protecting the holy grail you know yeah yeah exactly exactly like um all right so just a couple more so now we've totally segued away from the main topic of luke skywalker only hope to uh ray skywalker only yeah. hope uh, what do you want for the Force users that we have floating around post-Galactic Civil War? We got Jason Sindula, and of course, from The Mandalorian, we have The Child. Are, are you are you preoccupied when you're watching The Mandalorian of what's going to happen to that cute baby? Uh, are you desperate for Jason Sindula's storytelling? Where are you at? I, it's, uh, I'm glad you mentioned The Child. I, I am not worried, but uh, interested 
in the bigger picture and, and the galaxy is pretty big so we can figure it all out and the new Republic stuff and Luke going around the galaxy learning and then eventually teaching. I think it all can play and, and we'll figure out where it works. I don't know. Maybe the child does a, a guest uh, teaching session, a master class over at Luke's new school. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> Jason's and doula one is, is uh, interesting to me. I, I don't know. I, I don't know how you want to address it. I, I think you and I are still kind of convinced that it's a little bit of a, a drop in the bucket with a smile. Uh, yeah. Not, not meant to be anything else, but you're, we're left to deal with it. Yeah. I think for me, the thing with Jason Sindula is for the end of rebels, I absolutely uh, adore it. It's this great yeah. sense of, you know, yeah, we've, we've talked about almost that entire run of rebels as Kanan and Hera as the father and mother figures and having it literalized and having their actual just kind of romantic relationship, you know, utterly in that last season, utterly uh, explicit and uh, this hope of the next generation and Kanan lives on in this way. It's all great, great stuff. Um, but then I think it's because Hera's not separated from Luke Skywalker and Leia Organa. She she knows the Skywalker twins that she wouldn't go like you got a you got a training center. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So I guess what I'm saying in a long way is uh, this is really brutal, but I I I, I want Kylo Ren to kill Jason Sandula. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No. Look. I mean, because you're right. You read. Uh read the uh, alphabet squadron she's fighting the war yeah she's, she's in it she's helping yeah. set up the Republic. it isn't a case of where's Hera? i don't know i heard she had a kid and she's uh off living off on lothal no she's around so and uh anyways it's, it's beautiful in rebels i just think it wasn't intended to be anything bigger and I, we get that question a lot and again maybe jason sandula is flying the ghost in rise of skywalker you know maybe oh, yeah so he has a place in the story. Um, you just have to figure out. I just don't think there's any plans for that place. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and I think for the child either, you know, it, it takes him even, even more years uh, to become a teen. <laughs> He's just not old enough. Uh, I don't know about that. Um, but I'm so excited to see, uh, you know, how since they have set up Mandalorian season two to be, we got to find the place where this child belongs or his people that mm. that's going to be some fascinating storytelling, which will answer any of these concerns. Yeah. Uh, we're going to wrap up with a final question. Any final thoughts you want to shout out uh, before we go to the final question, Ken? Uh, just, uh, Hey, I love discussion. I love having these answers and I love being challenged constantly and continue to, to grow. But uh, uh, I, I really, you know, at the end of the day, a, a lightsaber and a force user, is a key part to just the decorations of star Wars. And uh, at the end of the day, having someone else around with those weapons and learning those lessons is still very valuable. So I'm okay with that. Yeah. Yeah. I think that that that's a great thing to include is even though we can get into this discussion of like, Oh, should there be so many uh, force users around as uh, the galactic civil war is beginning? we keep getting great stories that mean a lot to people, right? And people can begin their Star Wars adventure with Ezra or, uh, or Cal in Fallen Order. And that's uh, more important, ultimately. So what do you want from future tales of Jedi? Because so many of them have started with that question of, well, timeline-wise, we know this isn't going to go great for them, ultimately. Should all Jedi stories just start with the character's death, like Obi-Wan? <laughs> First movie we meet him. 
he dies. Oh, yeah, I think there's some relief in that, right? I know what you're thinking about. You don't don't need to worry about it. He's dead. Now, here's what he learned. Um, <laughs> here's what she learned. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I think it's possible. Uh, but going forward, you know, which going forward is is you know we know we're we know we're going back <laughs> with High Republic with a lot of stuff. But going forward, other movies or these other stories were uh, here. I just know this. I do want the Force always being present in some way, shape, or form, and I. And I think it is in Rogue One, and I think uh, to a lesser degree Solo, but uh, it, the Force and Force users loom over Kira's head for sure. Of you don't want to mess with this, Han. You don't even know what you've got. So the, the oh force, yeah, the Force is there. Uh, it needs to be there. It needs to be part of the story. Like I said, the decoration it, it's a valuable tool. Um, that's all I know. The nitty gritty of a school raised school for the incredibly gifted kids. Sure, give it to me. Um, I just know I I do need it there and it doesn't have to start with an old grizzled person dying yeah yeah fair enough fair enough i i think that there is uh, as we said there's joy in going along these journeys no matter what and there's creativity in the stories of some people like Kanan die some people like ezra have a different destiny and are literally in a different place kind of taking them off the board and so there's such great variety i think for me there's something about a, a huge part of Star Wars is that idea of letting go. So knowing that that's a part of the journey of that, when you meet a character, they're going to have this big long life and lots of room for storytelling. But at, at some point uh, they need to let go. And so do we. Um, so I think I'm, I'm excited to see every story we can with Jedi. The high Republic will be great because we know, yep. <laughs> uh, they will all eventually uh, come to some, some end as well as, is it do all the Jedi character we meet. My final thought on this topic is, the one crazy thing that I might be okay with. I think maybe other people won. Maybe we get a Quinlan Voss story. Beautiful, epic arc. He, he discovers a lot about himself. Uh, and then he gets carbon frozen and put somewhere. And then he doesn't get thought out until millennia after the rise of Skywalker. <laughs> I'm on board. <laughs> All right, we're going to carbon freeze Quinlan Voss, but besides that, it's okay to let go. Yeah. That is our look at Luke Skywalker being the only hope and Leia and Rey and all of the great uh, Skywalkers who have been a big part of destiny and only they could accomplish their journey. That is it for the main topic. Back to you, Ken. Great summary of what it all means. Love it. Uh, if you have a thought of that, we'll tell you where to reach out at the end of the show if you don't know already. Now we have our segment, Power of the Light Side. This is fueled by you on Patreon. Joseph puts out these calls from our supporters, and we want to hear your Star Wars story that's on the lighter side, something about your obsession, your love, or just something you experienced uh, of Star Wars, both young and old, different generations. And this week is uh, from our friend Andrew Siner, who is on uh, Twitter at, at, at SW Ramblings, Star Wars Rambling, Ramblings. And this is a great ramble here, Andrew. I mean this in... A good, good way. Thanks for letting me talk, he says, about Poplu for a second or two. <laughs> yes, Poplu the Ewok. That murder bear that stole a speeder bike during the Battle of Endor? I've loved that guy since before I could remember. It is It honestly isn't until now, as I once again face the infernal blinking cursor, that I realized why I loved him so much. To put it simply, Poplu has the heart of a rebel. For one, he can't have much of an idea of how a speeder bike works. And two, he's about two feet too short and 100 pounds too light. All he knows is that this has to be done. Hop on the uh, machine that's been terrorizing these people for years, flick all the little doodads up and turn the throttle up, and away he goes, providing the distraction Han, Leia, and the Pathfinders needed 
to start their assault on the shield generator. In so many ways, I think Poplu does the same thing so many of our mainline heroes do, just without the dramatic music cues. Padme, when she takes her planet back. Anakin in his little junkyard pod racer. Luke charging down a moon-sized battle station. Finn going back to the heart of the First Order to save his friend. Han playing both Beckett and Dryden to help Infus Ness. Ezra leaving for Thrawn's uh, Chimera. Ray forging the path through the gates of hell to Exegol. Hell, the whole damn Rogue One team. In these moments, each of these choices and so many others besides, a hero saw what needed to be done and just did it. Take the chance, then take the next chance, and the next until they win, or the chances are spent. How bad, for, not or not bad for a little furball. Oh, and his half terrified, half exhilarated, yahoo, with his whole body flailing in the wind, going who knows how fast is positively hysterical. Thanks so much for doing this segment. It's a fun exercise to figure out why I love some of the things I do. May the force be with you always. Andrew, great, great, great little piece there, man. Beautiful little essay about Poplu. Joseph, I always jo- uh, joke that Poplu's the drunk Ewok only because I just think he's got a lot of spirit and I see him as a free spirit. I love the little sub story I've created in my head. But I think Andrew's on point here. The heart of a rebel is found in Poplu. That is right. They are murder bears, uh, but Paplu is also a hope bear, uh, I think, as Andrew describes really, really well. But th- Andrew is really tapping into something that I love and been thinking a lot and talking a lot about in Star Wars, this idea of, yeah, we do have these faded chosen ones with great power, but the story of Star Wars has always been this kind of democratic anybody can choose to do the right thing in the right moment and to connect all of the big choices that our big heroes make and say, you know what, that Ewok uh, doing the funny yell and looking terrified, he was just as brave. He has that power too. It, that's a great perspective. So thank you for sharing that, Andrew. Oh, yeah, to, to quickly tag on that, yeah, Joseph, that that is present in all of the Star Wars stories. It is about the big fates and the destiny of the Chosen Ones, but it, uh, this idea of uh, that, that somehow was erased with some certain aspects of, of recent stories in Star Wars, no, it's always there. It is all about people, or in this case, an Ewok. That's the story that George was telling, and that's the story that I still think is present there uh, amongst the big selected space wizards uh selected <laughs> pop Lou was part of that andrew you got us thinking and we love that there pop Lou, you're a hero from there we are going to go to our audience questions as we close out the show we're going to twitter here uh, steve chavez writes hey guys question do you think they will ever bring back dash rendar into the new canon fit him into the storylines joseph you take this one first yeah, I, I, I think that would be fun, and I think there is a good chance because I think there's a, you know a, an era of people who really loved uh, Dash Rendar, and I would love to see a reimagining of him and give him his own story. I know you know in Shadows of the Empire he's all he's all up in the rebels business and tied into canon that isn't there anymore. I say why not kind of reimagine have somebody who grew up with Dash Rendar and loved Dash Rendar and just give him his own story that that captures why that character spoke to you. I'd be all in. Yeah, and I know what Joe, one of Jason Fry's um, books uh, mentions him and everything. And so he's out there somewhere. Uh, and I am someone who has been so just uh, fist pounding on desk against Dash Rendar because of some of my feelings towards uh, legend. Some of them overall. I totally get it, friends. I totally get it. So, and keeping in mind, uh, keep it in the spirit of 
Boba Fett and Mandalorian and and how and Maul being reframed in Clone Wars. I think you can pull this off, Steve, uh, and I think it's possible. Uh, extract them a little bit from the stories we thought we knew about them and put them elsewhere. I think it could work. It is definitely possible. Addy writes, hey, just finished Solo as part of my May the 4th. Do you think they'll ever finish telling Kira's story? If so, what form would you want it to take? Personally, I'd love something with live action with Amelia Clark, but I know it's a long shot. Maybe a novel? Animated? Question marks? There's a lot of options. Joseph, what do we think? Because I, I know right, we both do want Kira's story to continue in some way, shape, or form. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, this is a great question from Addy and just a great chance to talk about Kira because as Solo kind of moves uh, farther back in the rearview mirror, we're not going to chance to celebrate her as much. And I really love that character and think her character was designed to continue. Uh, and I agree with Addy that uh, very, very sadly, it seems like live action uh, with Amelia Clark is not in the in the cards in the near future. So mm -hmm. if I had to take my second choice, I would love love just an animated movie or like we're not doing a whole new series it's it's a six episode arc i still want to see uh crimson dawn colon kira versus maul hmm. and i think with the the popularity of maul in rebels you know i i want to see that story of how does does kira get out from under his thumb is she the one who traps him on malachor what happens there i'd love to see that in animated form so amelia clark could at least do the voice yeah but you know the clone wars season seven stuff really got people asking about maul post these events, right? Post Revenge of the Sith. Maybe people who didn't connect the dots or weren't familiar with Solo or some of the other storytelling. Uh, so I think now more than ever, there might be a little bit of a window. I just, a live action, I think you'd have to really pitch it to Amelia Clark. And, you know, she, she's, um, I think you get a sense she had a generally positive experience at the end of the day with Solo, but, you know, her, Alden Ehrenreich, a lot of people, they don't talk about it a lot, you know, and that's just something with hovering around that picture. So uh, I'd love to see her back. I, I love her work, obviously. It'd be great. Uh, a novel, give me Ray Carson hmm. writing what happened. I'd take, some, you know, if you, if the Kazans have notes from a script that never got made, Filoni's good ideas, I'd put it all in a bucket, but dump it onto Ray Carson's desk. Uh, I love what you did with Most Wanted. I love what you did with the Rise of Skywalker novelization. I think she writes Kara very well. That might be the way to go forward for me. So to Patreon we go, and we got a longtime supporter. One of, it's one of the running jokes is Mark Canop and Canop, Canoop, Canop, Mark K. We love teasing Mark, but Mark is uh, very active, very uh, uh, part of our Discord community. We appreciate Mark, and he writes: Do you think we'll get more stories with the sequel trilogy characters, especially set after Episode Nine, or do you think they'll avoid it for a while? I'm really excited for the High Republic, but I hope uh, I hope we uh, will get all. Uh, sorry, I hope we'll also get other stories as well. Ken, move your cursor over the word you're reading. <laughs> uh, I'm excited for that Poe book, but I want more. Mark, we agree. Number one, we're very excited for that Poe book. Young Poe, Zori Bliss, maybe young younger Babu Frick. Joseph, what do you think going forward? At some point, I can see them revisiting these characters. Not now, but what do you think? Yeah, yeah, it's just oh, oh, it's 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 so bittersweet uh, because there isn't a ton of room in between Last Jedi and Rise of Skywalker to tell stories. It's great that we're getting this earlier Poe story that Rise of Skywalker really opened up in book form. But I, I can imagine, well, let me say it this way. 
in my heart and soul, there is nothing I want more than to see Ray go on an adventure and ignite that yellow blade and see her taking her first steps as being, I'm the Jedi now and I'm moving forward and seeing uh, Finn go, maybe go off with Lando and Janna and have some adventures and, and wrestle with what it meant to be a part of the First Order. I could go on and on. The point is, I think I understand why they just want to let the characters rest right now. And there's this really weird, like, decades-long game of how long until one of these actors wants to do a Disney Plus story or how long until they go, you know what, it's it's been 10 years since uh, Rise of Skywalker. Maybe we do just a standalone Ray movie because Daisy Ridley's into it. Why not? And do you want to have done books where you find yourself exactly where Disney was when they bought Lucasfilm where they have to go, yeah, we're going to ignore those. Mm. Mm. That's an excellent point. Yeah. <laughs> excellent point. Uh, going against their own canon. Uh, yeah. And, and, and look, I think right, if, if Oscar Isaac rings up Bob Iger today and says, eh, give me a show, give me a Disney plus show. You got go picture kid. They're, they're <laughs> going to figure out a way to work that out. I, I just think the actors, the, the the production, the studio, everyone, I think they're ready to kind of rest for a little bit, but I think there's room to tell these other stories in between um, six and seven, a lot of room to revisit some of these characters uh, younger, maybe not, eh, maybe a little room with Ray. I don't know. Maybe not um, Poe for sure. Uh, in fact, of all the new characters, Poe has a lot of story to tell, I think between those, um, those, uh, those movies. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I think also there's something to be said for, you have to eventually fill out the last page of the story and close the book. And right now we have that with nine. Uh, doesn't mean you can't revisit it again. Oscar Isaac makes that call. We're good to go. But you know what I mean? Like at some point, Frodo finishes the story. <laughs> Bilbo finishes the story. Jon Snow walks away and you don't find out who he married in the wilderness. You know, at some point, I do think it has to end. Uh, but I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'm wrong. Yeah. Yeah. And maybe who knows, uh, you know, maybe in five years, they will be like, you know what? We want to continue these characters the same way that people desperately wanted to hear more about Luke Han and Leia. So we're, we're going to do some books and we'll deal with it down the line. Who knows? Maybe. But I'm, I'm happy that the sequel trilogy ended in such a way that it does feel like an ending. But it leaves me like a little kid just wanting to to run around with a lightsaber and see more adventures of those characters. Absolutely. When those Ewoks dance, it doesn't necessarily mean that's the end of the party. Jeremy Klein writes here on Patreon, how do you think word of Luke's sacrifice in Crate got around the galaxy? I like to think his actions are at least part of the reason why people showed up on Exegol after not coming to Crate. But it does make me wonder about the logistics of it all. Was it just word of mouth? Did one of the resistance members just off screen have a Holovid GoPro on their head? Thanks for <laughs> taking my questions and all the wonderful positivity. No, Jeremy, thank you for your positivity. Look, Joseph, this is a great question that I think we could spend a main show discussing. I think you have <laughs> thoughts on it. Uh, where does your mind go? Yeah, no, I do have thoughts on it. It, it is one of, for me, the critiques of uh, not not necessarily the Rise of Skywalker film. I wouldn't have minded a little mention of it some there, but I was really hoping for it to pop up a little bit more in the novelization. And I think it's a balancing act of you, you need the characters to not be in Rise of Skywalker to still be concerned about how to move forward, but you want to see the 
the growing impact of the legend of Luke Skywalker. So it's definitely a thing that I wrestle with as a fan, even one who really deeply loves rise of Skywalker. Um, I think I got two answers for this. Uh, I wouldn't mind. This seems like a four issue comic book arc that I think it's just to directly answer Jeremy's question. Yeah. I think it's totally word of mouth. I think, you know, yeah. commander uh, Daisy was like, you know, you, you know, what Luke Skywalker did and tell somebody and they tell somebody and pass it on. Um, I would love to just maybe even you start with Oniho Zaya, the kid who's actually telling the story at the end of Last Jedi with his custom made action figures. Mm. And you you follow the people hearing that story, the people believing story. And maybe you follow down to like a specific planet that by the time Lando gets there with his call, they're like, we've be really been inspired. We're, we're ready to go. Uh, I think that would be cool. My other idea is that that is, we don't know exactly what Lando said to the core worlds to get them to come to Exegol. And we know that Lando's a great storyteller. Did Lando just, you know, pull up to, you know, Corellia and start broadcasting uh, the story of Skywalker's last stand? Calrissian mm. mm. Chronicles. Uh, let me tell you a story here. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. So th those are a couple of thoughts that I had about where it might pop up again. But I think the spirit of it is it's, it's urban legend. Yeah. Look, I, I, would I have been okay with it and maybe even wanted a part of Rise of Skywalker to include the words for Luke? Uh, sure. Sure. I think, I think I'm with you on that, Joseph, uh, in terms of story, it, there's some out of the world, real world production stuff like seven. If he had done that at the end of seven and episode eight begins days later, that does make sense. Right. Uh, we have a about a year between eight and nine, so you have to account for why days after eight, unless you want to start episode nine with Luke inspired a big war and the First Order won that war or something like that. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. And then the the Tamari Blag Broom Kid stuff I, I mentioned before. You and I have talked before. I think it is. I take it as literal. I take it as something that did happen following the events of Crate, and I I still don't even. I think it you know, happened, you know, cause they didn't grow up. It's not 10 years after crate. It's right after crate. So something happened, some word got out, but I also think it was just a real artistic choice by Ryan Johnson to drive his point home and to pay homage to himself as a boy. Mm -hmm. And I still see broom kid Tamari Blake as Ryan Johnson in his childhood being inspired by the stories of Luke. And I just think it was a real artistic choice and I love it. I wouldn't change it for the world, but I still think even some really quote unquote positive Star Wars fans might just take that as why wasn't Tamiri Black in Rise of Skywalker? He 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 needed to be there. And and I think it was taken a little too literal. That said, just as you and I love to do, play out the the logistics of this story as if it was real, even if you hear Luke Skywalker, he was alive, he was a well, alive and well, and and he save the resistance on crate. Great. Uh, there's still a first order star destroyer above my house. Right. What do I do? I need someone to lead me. And it does connect for me emotionally to Poe and a lot of Poe story and to the people rising up. And yeah, Lando shows up. We got a leader. We got a way forward. All we need is you. It does connect for me in that level. Yeah. I think you're right. Like thematically it connects very, very well. And I think the, what's at stake in Luke's story is so much of he wants to just be honest about he's a flawed human and he made some mistakes and everybody 
convinces him, Ray, Leia, Yoda, like, no, people need someone to look up to and to believe in and to be that spark of hope and, and to make them say when that First Order Star Destroyer is floating over the city, I can't take it down myself, but I can hand out this pamphlet or I can trip this stormtrooper and, and run away and I can still do something. I can still be something. Mm-hmm. And that idea that that's the power of myths, as you were saying, that's the power of Star Wars. That's why we play with action figures. And that that's what Tamiri Blagg is about more than uh, set up for the next adventure where Tamiri Blagg kicks ass. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, a lot of people, I think it is a message about democratization of power. Um, a lot of people perceive it as democratization of the force, but, you know, we know that there are, in canon, there's always force users being born. So to me, it is much more about this idea of the spark of hope and that that's the reality of who we are as humans. We are flawed, but we can also be, our stories can inspire people and that has value too. And I think that's the part of it that I, I want to see celebrated and, and find ways to celebrate in Rise of Skywalker that the idea of what a Jedi is, the idea of someone so brave to stand up to all of this horror and say, no, that has value. Yeah, uh, we should probably put a pin in that one, huh? <laughs> <laughs> I think so. When you said we could do a whole episode about it, I was like, yeah, yeah, no, I'm, I don't have that much to say. Like, damn it. Yeah, no, we both do. And the de- democratization of, of the force, like you said, I think is something that The Last Jedi didn't necessarily do, but people think it did. We talked, you've talked about that. That's something I think it's on your heart. Um, it's a valid interpretation. I just think that it, there are other interpretations as well, or, or even if that is there, I think there are other ideas at work as well, is is what I'm passionate about. Yes. So, Jeremy, hey, Jeremy, stick around. We might bring this back up. Uh, thank you, Jeremy. <laughs> thank you, Mark, Addy, and Steve, and all of you listeners. If you want to join this conversation, just uh, tweet us or just give us a follow. Go to Twitter and follow us at Force Center Pod. Like our Facebook page. We're on Instagram. Podcasts available. A lot of spots, including iHeartRadio, Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, and more, and on Anchor. And yeah, I saw a tweet this week, and I think you responded to Joseph. Still, some of our older episodes, if you go back, some of them cut off. Um, I have to upload each of them individual. And if you hear my hand right now, that's my hard drive, which has a lot of the episodes. I finally got it out of a storage bin and I'm going to upload a couple episodes. People <laughs> will ask it, but it is a exhaustive process of finding which one we're sorry. That's just the real world of it. We appreciate you trying to go back and listen to old episodes. We're working on it. Tpublic.com slash user slash four centers. We can buy some t-shirts. Uh, and you can support us at Patreon at patreon.com slash force center. Uh, but Joseph, we want to highlight YouTube this week. YouTube. Yeah, that's right. We got, we've been doing some more stuff on YouTube. We are doing our show and tell episode every couple of weeks where we share some various uh, fun Star Wars stuff we have in our homes. Uh, Ken, for a long time, you've been making with Kevin Smets these uh, great in memoriam that celebrate uh, different Star Wars characters. And we got some a couple of commentaries we did. We got some a lot of content uh, on YouTube. So if you enjoy the podcast, there is more to be found on YouTube and hopefully more coming in the future. Absolutely. Don't forget Brian Ward's uh, video of a, d- a database brawl, an animated yes. database brawl. It's still one of my favorite things uh, that we've been fortunate enough to be a part of. So check that out. Follow us on our own things, uh, me at Catnapsock, and go to my website, catnapsock.com, for information on other things I do. And for you, Joseph? 
Yeah, you can go to Twitter and Instagram at Joseph Scrimshaw, and then you can go to my website, josephscrimshaw.com, for links to comedy albums, my other podcast, Obsessed. And I should uh, shout out, I was a guest on the podcast, We Got This, with Hal Lublin and Mark Gagliardi. It's a fun comedy and pop culture and everything discussion show where they try to decide uh, by various metrics that... that um, mostly made up in the episode of what is the best of something. And I did an episode about best background character in star Wars, which was a very stressful uh, choices to be involved in, but it's a very fun episode. So check that out. We got this. Hey, that's also, you made me uh, remember we um, got, uh, we are both featured. You, you were featured in another article. Uh, we are both featured in an article from the Cambridge star Wars society, an article on uh, joy and wonder in star Wars. And while fans will never stop uh, creating, we'll tweet that out from the force center uh, Twitter page real soon. You can go to C U S W S.com and link to the article there. A lot of fun. We always appreciate uh, having uh, our opinions asked about, Star Wars, a lot of fun there. So, um, oh my gosh, I thought I had something else too. Oh yeah, I was going to say, hey, don't forget, follow Jennifer Landa as well. Head over to TikTok, an area I'm just afraid of right now. So if you're <laughs> definitely the Jedi to confront TikTok, I'm not there yet. Jennifer is though doing fun stuff. So don't forget to follow Jennifer Landa as well. All right, we're out of here this week. There's a lot of hopes in the galaxy, but you listening to us, that's a hope we really enjoy. We'll see you next week. This was Force Center. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade. Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings. From premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts, start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more and is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. 
Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.